Hello and welcome to the Saxophone Academy. I'm Dr. Wally Wallace, and on this week's episode, I chat with my co-host, Dr. Susan Fancher, about some industry news and some cool new saxophone offerings you might be interested in. We check out a new CD by Dave Camwell, and we talk about dealing with reeds during the changing of seasons. And in the mailbag section, we answer some of your questions. And if you have a question for the podcast, please do reach out at our new email address, thesaxophoneacademy at gmail.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. I don't want to hear that anymore. I've done a lot of work with metronome lately. Oh, man. I was working on escapades because I played that yesterday How did it with go? the women's wind ensemble. Good. Yeah, it went really well. We yeah. had we did have some live music moments, but don't tell anybody. I won't no one will know. Because nobody noticed. Nobody actually. in 70 plus countries will hear this. No. So <laughs> certainly not. Oopsies. Yeah. Anyway, so I did a lot of work with metronome on that that third movement. It's crazy because I have students who played it in high school and I'm like, what? How did you play that in high school? Well, hold on. There's a couple of arrangements. So there's um the orchestral version. Yeah. Which has the third movement is just so many notes. It's got it a lot is, of notes. It's kind of bebopish language, but it's not as idioматic as bebop right. language. Right, it does not lay like yeah. all that. I've learned Parker really solos, and I've exactly learned escapades. Same. <laughs> escapades is harder. Yes, because um, it's just not as idiomatic. Um, but there's also a um, band arrangement. That's like yeah. a grade four, I think. Yeah, it's easier. It's easier, and I actually like it better. It, Not that because it's it easier, might, but yeah. I think the arrangement is is better. Interesting. I think it's really fun. So I did that with military and high school bands back in the day, and I actually enjoy, I enjoyed playing that more. Cool. Um, I mean, not that I don't like standing for an orchestra. Well, here's the thing. So Kelly Burke made an arrangement of it for wind quintet yeah. with alto saxophone solo, and that's what I the, played yesterday. And she, yeah, and she said, "Hey, anybody who wants it, just let her know." Okay. Yeah. So she's why don't not you, holding it back. Why don't you get a you get a, a copy and then we'll um, yeah we'll throw it on the website. There you go. So yeah. it works great. It's a terrific arrangement, and of course, this group I play with is is really top notch. So yeah, there's no is there a no recording of it? in there. Should be a recording coming sometime soon from the concert. Okay, and we're gonna play it uh, again on November third. I think it is a Sunday on the Collage Chamber Music Series at UNCG. And that's November. I think it's the third. Third. All right. Yeah. So we'll put a link in the show notes. So if you were in yeah. Central North Carolina, come here, Sue Play. Well, yeah. Escapades. That is going to be it's cool. It's fun. It's such a fun piece. I love it. No, I think it's. Yeah. One, I think it's. Um, I get a lot of grief from the um, academics. I think it's the best saxophone concerto we have. Oh, I think it's terrific, and that second movement is so Beautiful. soulful. Oh yeah. my gosh! Yeah, very melancholy. Yeah. Love it. I love yeah. that piece. So happy yeah. fall, Sue. Happy fall. I'm looking out the window and there are some yellow leaves and falling leaves. It so is. raking season is upon us. Soon. Yeah. <laughs> it, Sorry. Raking or in, in where I live, it's um it's a beautiful day. It's it's crisp. Yeah. It's sunny. It's cool. And then everyone in a hundred mile radius says, let's fire up the leaf blowers. I know. That's horrible. Maddening. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hate it. You know um, what? I actually go out with an old fashioned rake because I no, you're gonna think I'm weird. I actually enjoy. Well, yes, but not because of this. <laughs> I like it too. It's good exercise. Yeah, it's kind of meditative. If, yeah, if you don't have fake arguments with people in your head while you're doing yeah. it. Yeah, well, and if you have kids, it's the best. You rake a pile, mm-hmm. and they just love it. And they it's get ticks, great. and it's great. Oh, that. Yeah. Oh well. No, I don't care. <laughs> um, so because it's fall, um, yeah. we'll, we got some news to get to first. But in the studio portion, we have something to talk about that's kind of cool. Oh, but yeah. as a precursor, I wrote a poem about fall. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know why you're laughing. I didn't even know you were a poet, I Wally. Am. I'm not, I'm, I, I shouldn't be laughing. No, I understand I'm, you are a serious and I'm deeply a serious thoughtful artist. guy. I, I paint. Actually, you are. <laughs> I do photography, and yeah. I, I write poetry. So I wrote... Awesome. Um, and I guess just the season feels brief here in North Carolina. So I made it a haiku. Yeah. Okay. So this is my haiku to fall. Yeah. 
leaves changing color, falling slowly to the ground. Why am I read so bad? <laughs> you know, right? That's Fall by Wally Wallace. So we'll get to that. Um, the changing of the season has made me think we need a good topic for dealing with changing seasons uh, and reads. Yeah. That'll be in the studio section. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, but first, we have some news. It is a thing, it, though, the whole read oh thing in the fall. I noticed that painfully yesterday because it was my first concert since mm-hmm. the weather changed a week ago. <laughs> Oof. Oh, man. I just I bought a brand new box of reeds, and I was being really smug about breaking them in because we had an entire yeah. episode about that. And I, I know. have a video online about and doing it. And it's a great routine. Uh, it breaking works them in, great. And then I just I'm had so a box of, of hard hard trash. So first, I figured um, we're starting to get some cool stuff coming this way from our community. Yay, and so community. I figured we could start with our basically community coffee table or corkboard, some news about what's going on with our community members that have sent in. Awesome. So um, this is a new etude book by Sean Imboden. Imboden? He's a listener, and he's written in a question before. Go, said, Sean. Hi, well, I hope you're well. I wanted to get in touch because I've written a new etude book. Uh, it's called Standard Etudes Volume 1. It's essentially a collection of 10 solos that I have composed over changes to common standards. The primary goal of this book is to provide students with... Improvisation, a method to enhance their vocabulary and ability to play over changes. So the book is offered in B flat, E flat, and C and bass clef. And he's got you can get it in PDF or PDF plus physical copy. And he's also got some video demonstrations as well this on his great. website. And this is from listener and jazz saxophonist Sean Imboden. And I'll put a link in the show notes. Awesome. So, good I have a question. You. I, yes. You maybe don't know the answer. I bet so I do. What level of difficulty are they? I say this is medium to medium advanced. So could a college level player yes. who's not a music major? Kinda? Yes, absolutely. Oh, that would be and awesome. So, um, so advanced high school. Yeah, and it's 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 um there's in the ones I checked out and and he and it's pretty hip. Um, I was I was impressed. So I'll put Great. a link in there. So check it out. Um, from community member Sean Imboden and listener. So that makes me like him all the more. Of course. Next up from the community <laughs> cork board, our water cooler, so to speak, uh, listener Benjamin Crouch, who's a friend of we I both know, know ben. him. Yeah. Ben has done a very cool arrangement of the uh, Marcello Oboe Concerto. Oh. Um, transcription. Uh, there's, I think, maybe a there couple. Is one, yeah. There is one. Yeah. He did his own, and he's a very smart guy. Yeah, yeah. And he's offering it to the community for free. No way. Yeah. So he uh, wanted listeners to know, um, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a PDF and also a um, just a SoundCloud recording of him doing it live in his church. Oh, it's a, such a beautiful piece. Really beautiful. I've never played it. Um, I've only like played through it, but I've never performed it's it. It's really beautiful. And so I now know. you can, so for the listeners of this podcast, um, you can get the free, Go get at it least the free. first movement. Yeah. I think he's offered the second and third too, because he's a good dude. So from our community, wow. um, Sean's is, I think you purchased through his website. Ben is offering a Marcello transcription for free. Wow, Which, that's uh, a deal, sucker! He should have made some serious cash. Uh, no. Well, kidding, yeah. See, kidding. this is this is the reward you get for listening to this amazing podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I think, and we grow as people. Yes, <laughs> maybe I don't know. So that's the community news. So if you have community news, something you're working on, or something oh, you're yeah. proud of, please do share it with us. And if we have time, and if we find it mildly interesting, <laughs> and it doesn't compete with what we're doing, we'll share it with listeners. So um, other cool news. What do we got here? Um, we got here. There's a new mouthpiece that I think you may have told me about. Yeah, I heard about this. Okay, so so yeah. what did you hear? Well, I heard that it's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so this but, is a classical. Yes, a classical mouthpiece. mouthpiece. Uh, Donald Sinta, right? Wait, what? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> no, no. Are we talking about two different things? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. So 
First of all, this is a classical mouthpiece. It is a Claude Delong. Oh, the Claude Delong one. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So okay. um, before the jazz tuners, um, jazz people start fast forwarding. I think every <laughs> saxophonist should own one good concert saxophone mouthpiece because yeah. you never know when you're going to get a call for the local symphony. Yeah. Or if one day you want to start teaching students, one of your students will want to make all-state or all-district band. You know, it just you if nothing else, for making yeah. money and teaching and playing the occasional pop Just gigs. so you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm not saying this is the one, and there's a lot of reasons why this may not be the one. Right. But I think um, all jazz players should own one good classical mouthpiece and vice versa. Right. Um, so they got one of these in at our local music, music store, store here in Greensboro. Actually, they don't have it in yet. They don't have it in they it. They have the information. Oh, so this is the, okay. the new alto saxophone mouthpiece signed by Claude DeLong. Yes. And it's not Claude, it's Claude. Claude. As apparently is my French. Claude, your French is improving. Speaking, uh, no, it's not. I just been slapped <laughs> enough when I say Claude, and my friend um, who's studied in France would slap me. Yeah. Um, uh, the pioneering bimaterial mouthpiece with its unique acoustic and sound properties testifies to Henri Selmer's Paris ever-growing desire to improve its products. Designed in close collaboration with Claude Delong, this mouthpiece perfectly reflects his personality. I don't know what that means. A remarkable <laughs> demonstration of our expertise, the Claude Delong mouthpiece emphasizes the importance of creativity and the search of sonic perfection while continuing to reinforce the long Henri Selmer Paris tradition. That's marketing speak for nothing. It means nothing. <laughs> the metal ring characteristic of Adolf Sachs' first mouthpiece and right. its cutaway design testified to a privilege, a lot of things testifying here. Uh, it's a privileged relationship between tradition and the latest advances of the concept family. So this is in the Selmer concept family of mouthpieces. Right. Now this is where it's interesting. The gold-plated metal ring lines the entire bore and allows for a denser, fuller sound with increased projection. The acoustic performance of this new alto mouthpiece, signed Claude Delong, will charm saxophone players and audience members like It's a round chamber, tip opening of 1.655 millimeters, table length of 24 millimeters. Uh, being that we're in America land, we don't measure that way, so I, I don't even know what that means. It's fairly close, uh, tip opening, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, so actually... So it's metal in the inside, and then... Plastic and a soft, running. chewy outside. So, yeah. <laughs> so it, it looks like the concept mouthpiece, the summer concept, only the there's a ring around it, beautiful, yeah. uh, that is gold, and it goes and it lines the inside. Yeah. So, and it says it's gold. So I assume they mean it's gold, like wow. the, the precious metal. Well, no wonder. Yeah. So the here's, yeah, yeah. So the retail <laughs> price. Sit down. Is five hundred dollars. Now, yeah. no one should pay retail price. Right. Um, the minimum advertised price, which is what Selmer says, anyone selling online, your woodwind, brasswind, the right. minimum you're allowed to offer it online, which means you should be able to get it for close to that, is three hundred twenty-five dollars. Okay. Which is still that's a lot of money. Yeah. But you know, I was looking at um, metal jazz mouthpieces the other day online for a student who's looking mm -hmm. at jazz mouthpieces, and you know, they're two hundred and something. A lot of them, not all of them. Oh, there's plenty that so, are in the three to five hundred yeah, range. Yeah, that's not an unusual price on a mouthpiece. Yeah, I, as it turns out. Here's my not issue, but my kind of curiosity <sighs> with this is it's metal at the shank, which is good because it won't crack. Right. Um, and that's an issue you come into with old vintage mouthpieces, like my mm -hmm. uh, my tonalin. Right. The tonalin is a problem with yeah, it. Yeah, they start to crack at the shanks. A lot of people put a metal band. I've so never are, had a, a hard rubber crack. No. Unless I dropped it from a serious distance, well, I haven't right. either. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. So I. I don't know what the metal band on the back is for other than it mm -hmm. looks beautiful. Yeah. Aligning oh. the bore. So for me, it kind of misses, and we haven't tried it. Full disclosure, we have not tried this yet. We need but to. I am yep. skeptical because um, one of the big benefits of metal is that the facing and the tip rails and opening don't change that much because metal right. is obviously more durable than hard, right. soft 
well, uh, the soft rubber, right. it's not soft rubber, it's hard rubber, but it's way softer than metal, right. which the, it'll chip, change, warp much more easily than metal. Right. So the most delicate portion is still hard rubber, yeah. but the interior is metal. And here's what I don't love. One of my least favorite things about metal mouthpieces is the condensation exactly buildup in the metal bore. Yeah. So for me, they've kind of like taken one of the biggest benefits of a hard rubber mouthpiece and like, yeah. and then lined it with something that's going to collect in yeah, theory but, at least. But they must, they must think that, you know, the hard metal is going to react in a, a positive way with the airstream. I guess. We'll have to try it. We will try it. I'll try it. But I know exactly what you're talking about. That's, that's kind of like the, I don't play a metal mouthpiece for classical, of course. Right. I mean, although Hemke did. A lot of, yeah, and Mule did. Or yeah, Mule. yeah. Um, um, but I do, you know, I do have an Autolink, a seven star. It's this kind of funky millennium yeah. edition that I have on my oh, tenor. Nice. Um, and, you know, if you get a little spit, and you're, this is going to offend the jazz players, but you're playing jazz, you get a little spit in there. It's not the end of the world. When you're playing classical music, it's not the end of the world either, but it's not nice. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's a different sound aesthetic. And yeah. like some of my favorite recordings, you can hear a little moisture in the, yeah. you know, it's, it's a broader, it's a, just a different yeah. total approach. Yeah. Yeah. And so you I will say, work. those yeah. are the, that have played on hard rubber and metal, metal seems to um, have more issues with moisture inside because right. of the way it, now granted, maybe if it's covered with hard rubber, does that last? I don't know. Maybe. Um, maybe I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out. But I know back in Let's the day, see. the the you know the the older players that studied in France, um, when my teacher studied with um, not Guy Lacour, another the alto player of the Mule Quartet, which is escaping my. It doesn't matter. Um, can't remember his yeah, name. Yeah, can't either. But anyway, he was saying that a lot of the French players that played in these middle classic mouthpieces would actually spray the inside with cooking spray. Oh. To make it more slippery so the moisture Whoa. wouldn't stick inside as quickly. It would huh. blow through more easily. So, I don't cool. know. We'll find out. <laughs> so, if you have $500 to spare, check it out. Or, yeah, yeah, if your local store gets it in, you want to yeah. try it. I mean, we'll try it for you. I mean, see what yeah. we think. We will, absolutely. And, and Dave, uh, our local retailer, is trying to get us one. Yeah, he's, he's um, the best. Yeah, and so you should be able to get one for around 325 So, that is... Yeah. Expensive gold plated. It sure looks beautiful. It, I will say. I mean, I'll wow. put a link in the show notes to the um, the ad copy from Selmer. It looks like the most beautiful classic mouthpiece I've I ever mean, seen. The thing with a you know even you know three hundred and fifty dollars or something like that. If it if you really love the sound and the response and you feel like you know, it's, I mean, it's worth the money. These things last a long time. Assuming they you don't do. drop them or something like yeah. that. So I mean, I'm I'm just would be embarrassed to tell you how long I've been playing on my current mouthpiece. <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah I know. it's been a long time. I looked at it the other day. I should actually probably wash it. <laughs> oh, we'll edit that out. No problem. <laughs> anyway, you so, know that's you know that's kind of the we spend money on our stuff all we do. the time. Oh, I know. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just ask your wife. I right? make fun of it. I don't know something about with the hard rubber tip rails that when it gets north of two hundred dollars, I start going. Uh. Right, but. Like I say, we played it. You know, I know lots of players that play their mouthpieces for decades. Yeah, t- ten plus years. So if you you know average that out, that's pretty cheap per yeah, year. It is. I still want to make fun of it because that's you just, spend a lot more money on reeds if you think yeah. about that. Making fun of price is just who I am. So don't take well, that from me. I <laughs> I wish all the stuff was cheaper. Yeah, me too. Speaking of cheaper <laughs> and spending money on reeds in the studio this week, I want to talk a little bit about. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. Reads. I saw a post on, and, and I think I saw the post from Alex Singleton, who's a listener and saxophonist. Yeah. I believe he teaches at, I forgot, somewhere college in Tennessee, I believe. All right. You know, he posted a picture of a reed that was warped. 
And uh, uh, I think partially just, you know, is joking. Of course, and yeah. you can't post anything in jest anymore when people chime in, what you need to do is yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, I wasn't saying, I was just posting <laughs> just a funny, fun. just having Jeez. fun. I don't need you to tell me what to do, Larry. <laughs> but anyway, it was a picture. And so it got me thinking and I was thinking like, yeah, I'm glad I don't have the problem. Went into the practice room and my box of reads was just, it all went oh, up. Oh, yeah. The changing of the weather, you know. The- yeah, I mean, five days ago, I was playing through my reads thinking, ah, oh, this is awesome. My reads are sounding good. I know I should have knocked on wood right away. Mm-hmm. And then the weather changed here. And like the two days ago, I went through the reads and threw away about half of them because they just wouldn't play. Like you, you'd play for. 30 seconds, and then they would just stop, like, not responding at all, yeah. which I don't accept that in a read at my stage of the game. It's like, no, come on. It's I, I know that I'm not doing anything that weird. I look at my horn. Is my horn leaking? What's yeah. going on here? So, and I started some fresh reads, but I, you know, you can't plan a brand new read for a concert, or at least I can't. That's yeah. that's not how I roll. So, it was a little, <laughs> it was a little slim pickings yesterday for, for reads, but I found some that worked okay. But yeah, they, like, like overnight, they went from yay to ooh. <laughs> yeah, so uh, here's um, and and so someone in the comments obviously said, "Well, have you done?" And it was actually um, Daniel Goff, I believe, of the Army okay. Field Band. Yeah, I've met him. Very nice fellow. Very nice fellow. I like him. Great very, player. Yeah. Great player. Very nice fellow. And he said, "We'll do the pop test." And so I made a joke about paternity <laughs> <The> tests. <pop. laughs> if you're the you are not the father, <laughs> but the pop test. And I know there's lots of people out there that aren't familiar with it or don't know what it is. Yeah. There's some demonstration videos. I'll, I'll put one in the show notes. But do you do the pop test? Not very often, but I know what it is. So <laughs> the pop test is a good way to see is, you know, say you, you're trying out some reads and something on a read just feels like it's or you feel like something is horribly wrong. Right. And now players of our experience, we can tell if it's the read or right. mechanical issue. We're going to assume at this point it's not us. Right. Because, um, <laughs> like I said, I can't. We're there. <laughs> I can't change a car tire, but I know how to play the saxophone at this right, point exactly. in my life. I have to be an yeah. utter moron not to, given the number of hours I spend on it. Exactly. So, but for a lot of players there that may be wondering, is it the read? You can do what's called the pop test. Yeah. And it's, it's what is it testing, Sue? Oh, it's testing to see if the reed is sealing on the mouthpiece. And what do you mean by sealing? That when it closes up, the rails of the mouthpiece and the sides of the reed mm. really, really meet. Uh, make full contact make between full the tip contact. rail and the side rails. Yep. So yeah, as the um, as you replays, it seals and opens. It yeah. should create an airtight seal in its closed position. Yeah, um, on the mouthpiece as it vibrates. And to tell that, what you can do is see if, if you can create a vacuum inside the mouthpiece right. by putting the back of the mouthpiece flat against the palm of your hand, right. and then drawing air out through the reed. And if the reed is sealing, as you say, then it should stick to the mouthpiece for a brief moment, and then make a. Mm. Nice, pleasant <laughs> pop noise. Yeah. And it's called a pop test. And uh, there's plenty of YouTube videos. I'll put one uh, link in the show notes. Um, and it's kind of fun to do, too. It is. To, and I've had... <laughs> it's more difficult to explain than you think. I've had students who are like, no, just put it against the flat of your hand. Now just draw air out. And they're like, right. you know, like huh? making red faces. Like, what? Like, <laughs> no, don't Oh, come blow. on, Johnny. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And there's so many jokes to be had. Like, I know you yeah. suck, Johnny, but... <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. And so what that will tell you is if, 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 you, don't, if you can't get the read to pop, Something's wrong. Yeah, either your mouthpiece has warped or the reed is warped. Yeah, most likely, <laughs> assuming you've likely. had other good reeds on there. Now, I have had, back when I used to play in a million years ago, I put on the Eugene Rousseau mouthpieces. I don't yeah. know who manufactured them. Um, I would order 10, and five would be okay. Five would be weird, and two huh. would not seal a reed. Wow. So when I was trying new mouthpieces, I would definitely make sure that they would pass the pop test, the mouthpieces right. even, on a new read. Right. And a brand new read that has not been broken in yet will nearly seal on 
right. almost anything. Right. Because once you've been playing on it, and, and it may warp and change. Right. It dries and gets wet and dries and gets wet. Right. Dries, yeah. So assuming your mouthpiece is good, it'll tell you is the reed, and especially in when the weather changes, I find my reeds start to warp, pull away from the mouthpiece, yeah. and in very dry weather. Yeah. So um, if the furnace kicks on a lot and you're getting a lot of heat, I yeah. find you reeds may start to fail the pop test as they warp more quickly. As yeah, they get wet this and dry is out. this is even if you're keeping them on a good case. Oh, absolutely. In a good case, yeah, you know, flat. It's Which still- is why I'm not that persnickety about storage of my reeds in some special because once you play on it, you soak it. You play for half an hour. You rest for eight measures. And if the if you're in a very heated environment uh, with a furnace or you're in a very like desert climate. It's going to warp anyway. Right. It's going to get soaked with your saliva, and then right. it's going to dry out during your rests. And so what are some fixes? Do you work on reeds at all? You know, I used to, but I don't anymore. I used to have a knife and try to, you know, mm-hmm. shave off little bits to get them to respond better so I could use more of the reeds in the box. And at some point, I just decided that I was probably either not very good at it or just not patient enough to bother with it and willing to just buy more reeds. Right. I mean, you could save money. If you're really good at that, you could save money. The one thing that I used to do a lot that I sometimes do, but not very often anymore, again, maybe I'm just lazy or I'm more willing to just (laughs) buy more reeds, um, is just take a piece of sandpaper, really, really, really fine sandpaper, and sand sand off the back of the reeds so that they're really flat. Right. And when, you know, actually... That's kind of like dumb that I didn't think about that a couple of days ago. I could have tried that first before I threw out all these reeds. Right. Just sanding off the back, that might have done the trick to get them to respond again. Right. But So sanding know. the back of the reeds lately, or I know a lot of people are swearing by the reed geek. I have yeah. not checked one out I yet. I haven't either. I feel ashamed. Yeah. Um, well, so I'll get that's one because what you're doing is working for you. But you know, well, I would say that until a couple of days ago when I was <laughs> crying <laughs> in my studio. I'm so sorry. I sounded terrible. Um, yeah, I won't. That's make, a terrible. I won't feeling, make a joke it? about. Yeah, you play and you're like, oh, I sound like an insert player here's name. This is not a compliment. Yeah, yeah I did not sound good. Um, <laughs> so I don't love working on reeds um, no, at all. Yeah. So I find um, if your reeds are warping and not sealing, they don't pass the pop test. One of the easiest fixes I have for my younger students and amateur students or people that don't have all their stuff together, um, and that's changing your ligature. Not buying a better ligature, but changing mm. the approach of your ligature. Hmm. Because as you're playing, your reed gets wet, and as you're playing, especially if you fully soak your reed, the back end will dry out while you're playing, while right. it's attached to the mouthpiece, because your saliva won't soak all the way down right. there, most likely. And then it'll pull away from the facing of the mouthpiece. Okay. So if you have a Rovner or another leather-type ligature, as the reed starts to warp, it will pull the ligature right along with it. Right. So I find, number one, and yes, the ligatures, the rubber, hard rubber, not hard rubber, but the, the Rovner, the leather, the rubber, they sound pleasant. And when yeah. they work, and when the reed is fresh and sealing well, yeah. they sound good. They but as the reed really warps, well. which all reeds will, yep. they will pull away from the mouthpiece, which is why mm-hmm. the overwhelming majority of pro players I know will not mess with fabric or leather ligatures. One, because of response time yeah. and color. Yeah. But even if they like the slightly darker aesthetic of sound, yeah. it will not seal as many reeds as well. Yeah. So ditching that, even in favor of a stock ligature, I will yeah. find, get a very that good will help you. The funny seal. thing about those, those ligatures is that they play really great when you put the reed on. You're trying them out, so they're you. You think, mm. "Wow, this is awesome!" Because they sound they they. It's just really easy to get a reed to respond. The low end, but the thing really is, when you when you're yeah. testing them, you don't play them long enough right. to get to the point where they stop working. Yes, 
And that's and I found that way with a certain type of saxophone pad. Um, Uh, I had my horn overhauled with I will not name it, but it was made out of a leather from a an animal you would found down under with that would have a joey that would stick in its pouch. Talking about yeah, and rhymes with langaroo. Um, (laughs) And these pads were not water treated, and so what I found I had this complete overhaul of my horn. And when you play test it, it's like, oh, they're silent. Oh, they don't stick. Yeah, everybody was way into those for and a long time. And it was really time. great. And then I got my horn completely overhauled in them. And I was like, oh, they're silent. Oh, they don't stick. How cool is that? Oh, they absorb tons of water after an hour of playing. So oh, here's whoops. what I found. I would play in these, these non-water treated uh, white kangaroo leather pads. And I would yeah. play. And after about an hour and a half of serious playing, they would absorb water. They would swell, <gasps> puff out of my key cups. Oh. And then... You could like hit it against the uh, the tone hole and actually hear it, and I was like, oh. it has made my entire horn useless. So I had to send the entire horn back, and I said, this is not acceptable. Get regular. Uh, I don't know why you think you can use non water treated. Okay, so it's another thing where you try something, right? You know, and, for but, five or ten minutes, you're like, oh my god, this think, takes care of all that. Terrible and that was noise. the problem is I think some of the people that were raving about this were these appreciados, the people that. <sighs> They have a lot of money, like your retired doctors and dentists. Oh. They love it. Sounds great on my $10,000 summer Mark Six, And they play for a half hour or play with and a little bit fun. of the community. And something goes wrong. They assume it's their read or whatever. But as a more advanced player, it's like, no, something's really wrong here. And I realized oh. it was my pads were wow. swelling as they absorbed moisture. Wow. And so someone else I know had the same pads put in. They water treated their pads. And that solved the problem more or less. Uh-huh. I said, okay. Oh no! Yank these out immediately, right. please. Yeah. And uh, and the and the person I won't say who uh, was more than willing to bend over backwards and redo it. Yeah. Um, Good. But, yeah. but like you said, it's like that you've got to try it for longer than the. It feels yeah. like oh, this is great. Go ahead and commit. Well, yeah, and if you're playing ten minutes here and ten minutes there and mm-hmm. resting and everything, but you know when you're playing an hour and a half, two hours, pretty much solid. When we practice, that's what we do, right? right? Yeah. Then oof. Yeah. Well, pre pre kids, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that. <laughs> yeah. So I find the Rovner and the, the leather ligatures, and I like them a lot. But I find for the serious yeah. players that you know yeah. have long rehearsals and things like that, they just won't hold the reed. Yeah. So using a metal ligature will give you a better seal right. and better response, even right. during the weather changes. And here's the other thing: the way the metal ligature holds the reed on makes a big difference. So there's kind of other than your stock ligature, which just has a flat metal plate that presses right. it down, which you'll get a great seal. Yeah. Um. You may not love the response or the color right. palette as right. much, yeah. but there's two types. There's fancy ligatures that have rails or pressure points that go with the grain of the reed. Right. Um, BG Traditional, the Ishimori, um, one of the plates on the Vendoran Optimum. Right. Uh, and there's a few others that the plates go with the grain. So they mm-hmm. go long ways with the mm-hmm. reed. And I find you get a very quick response, very colorful palette, very yeah. free-blowing. I find they don't seal the reeds as well because the yeah. sides of the reeds can pull up a little bit. Right. And you really have to crank it down to get a good seal. And I've broken right. some BG traditional ligatures yep. um, at the weld point. I, I'm not blaming the BGs. I think they're very good ligatures. Yeah. But I have, in trying to get a good seal, you know, the metal stretches. Yeah. Um, then there's those that go laterally where yeah. it's the, the pressure point goes across the grain of the reed. Right. Where it holds it much closer, I think, to the table. And that would be the Van Doren MO. Right. Uh, what's another one that does that? 
Just the plane. You've, there's a, I think one of the plates in the the masters yeah. literature. The, the master. The, that lo- was that was a great that one. Was a pre- precursor kind of the, to the precursor. Yep. It was a two screw. Yep. I love that one That's as well. Great. That's a great, great seal in the yeah. literature. Um, and then hmm. not a pressure plate, but I love the Charles Bay ligatures mm-hmm. because they're really pretty. They are very delicate. Yeah, so I don't like my younger students to do that because they look at it wrong and it smushes. Right. <laughs> um, and I find that gives a lot of good lateral pressure against the grain oh, yeah. and get a great. There's like. Three, seal. three bands across on that one. On the or? bay, yeah, and even some. I yeah. use a, um, the um, the Rococo, yeah. which is just beautiful. Pretty, It's yeah. just really pretty. And that gives me good pressure yeah. all across. Now, the, the result is I find those don't get as quick of a response. Right. Which I'm fine with. I'm, yeah. I'm a slow yeah. guy anyway. You're able to practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Work <laughs> on your attacks. Exactly. I just don't <laughs> want to mess with reeds not sealing. Um, right. No, no, no. That's the worst. So, you know. You know what I never have checked out? If how the response and how the ceiling compares between the M.O. and the old masters with the two screws. I wonder with the two screws, were you able to sort of individually put pressure on the two different bands? I don't know. I put I them equally that. to just get a good seal. Yeah. Uh, in theory, the less metal in contact with the reed and the size of your mouthpiece, the freer blowing. Yeah. At least in theory. Right. I don't blindfold it. Like, as I'm you mentioned, about the, 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 the pink one screw, gold. You know? Yeah. You know, blindfolded, would you tell them? But I, yeah. <laughs> I will say the M.O. is, I think, a very good compromise um, between response color and a good seal. Yeah, I just think it's a great ligature. Yeah, and yeah. I don't use it because I like really pretty ligatures. Yeah. So I use the bay just because yeah. for aesthetic well, that's reasons. Okay, that's yeah. Um, I mean, basically, the yeah. ligature has to hold the reed. Yeah, but if, on the if if goodness forbid my horn were stolen and they took everything, I had to go quick get something before a concert or yeah. recording session. I'd go buy a Yamaha sixty two. Yeah, <laughs> a, a the Meyer six or seven that I could buy off the rack. Right, and a Van Doren Mo, and I'd be right. happy as a yep. as a pig. Yep, you know. I would still miss my vintage Tonalin and Charles. Yes, Bay, you would. But, yeah. Yes, you would. But so that would all work. Pop test to see if it's the if it's the read. If it is, get a new read. Maybe try a more aggressive ligature metal. Yeah. Any other tricks you use to get a read to seal? <laughs> I just yell at it. I just get shame out, it. Get a new read out of the box and break in some new ones. Yeah. Then, uh, <laughs> no, s- but really, just crank that guy on yeah. there. Yeah. Something about maybe sand the back a little bit. Yeah. Flatten it down. That'll work. And yeah. we should we'll check out the read geek. If you have any experiences with the read geek, let us know. Oh yeah. Um, send us uh, look us up on social media or send an email wally at gatesidysacks.com and I will relay your experiences. Move a lot- to a place where the weather doesn't change. <laughs> where would that be? I don't know. Southern California. The good place. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say in Arizona, it never changed other than the monsoon season. It was just always completely dry. Right. Which a lot of players I knew in there just resorted to stock ligatures because yeah. you would play for 30 seconds, your read would be bone dry and warp. So, right. Yeah. You know, there are going to be people who use a leger read who are going to say, just, pla- just you know, change to the plastic read. And I had a very nice a commenter, point. I forgot the gentleman's name, on, I did a, um, after our podcast, I basically did a review video of that concept and put it on YouTube. Oh, yeah. And someone did a very nice, made a very nice comment like, I really appreciate this info. This is all great. I gave up that game years ago. I do Legere now. <laughs> yeah. I've never been happier. Yeah. Great info, Dr. That. Wallace. No thanks. <laughs> Which, it was a very <laughs> nice way of yeah. saying, come on, dummy, get with the times. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If I don't have the ream to blame, what would I, I know, blame? Right? <laughs> you know, if I take out all the moving parts, what's left? Just me? No thanks. Yeah. So, well, I probably should give the Legere reads a try sometime. I mean, I've tried them a couple of times and just been like, wow, I don't really like the feel of that. But I think, you know, you've got to find the right one, the right strength. And, right. You know, so give them a chance, just like everything. <laughs> I haven't in years since they've gotten good. I haven't tried them. Yeah. So, and actually, I don't play classical anymore. I just do jazz. 
So now I may, I didn't really, the couple of people, the early adopters yeah. of classical, they were raving about them, but yeah. I'd hear them play and be like, I can tell. Right. So I'd be like, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially when they play louder or certain mm, types of articulation. That's what it is, yeah. Now I've heard they're yeah. getting better and better and better, so I won't of judge. Of course, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, want, I don't want to give up the last thing, my last scapegoat, you know? Yeah. So. I don't know. I sort of have this like ritual and routine I use with my cane reeds and it's sort of part of... My yeah. practice routine. I just, I yeah, just, it's I don't like, know. It's like the Japanese tea ceremony, but it, with more cussing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> The exactly. reed ceremony. <laughs> Garbage gonna, can right there. <laughs> oh my God. Nope, I'm, in, I'm inspired no to make a short film, the reed ceremony. <laughs> uh, let me let me get in touch with my mechanical eye films, my filmmakers, to see if they'll do, they'll have no idea what I'm talking about, right. but like guys have this really funny idea for a short film. Yeah, right. Um, you'll need uh, whatever that beeping noise is for the, the cursing. So... <laughs> Try lightning sand in your reads, get a better look at her and the pop test kids yep. to find out, are you the father of that read? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so we have a new recording that came in. Um, yeah. I just got an email and a fresh off the press from our friend Dave Camwell. Dave Camwell. He's got a new CD. What's it called, Sue? Uh, it's called Second Wind. Yes, because he's, like us, getting a little older. I guess that's what it is. It I was is. like, what you know, do you call at it our age, At our age, you know, sometimes you get tired, you think, I don't got any playing left in me. <laughs> and then you get your... I'm kidding, that's not what it is. <laughs> the title of this recording, Second Wind, comes from moving from Iowa to Alabama in the summer of 2017 to be surrounded by such talented and inspiring people as has been rejuvenating. So he's nice. had a life change. Yeah. He, um, Went from Iowa to Alabama. That, yeah. is, that is a change. Yeah, and he's Canadian, so he's, wow, right? It's a fish out of poutine. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> so no, his, I call him our Alabama moose. Yeah, um, so he's, he's got a, guy, he's a, a good brand new CD. Um, all sorts of good stuff on this. There's, yeah. there's modern works. There are. There's old works. There are. There's medium works. Yes. Uh, and there's also a lot of cool guest artists, including... Including Inara Zondman no, on no piano. One knows who, no, no one knows who that is. <laughs> no, I got to be on this CD. Yes, and you played on two different pieces. Well, let's see. There's a Vivaldi concerto for uh, two saxophones and piano, and two different Bach movements that are both for uh, two saxophones and piano. And, you and did these Dave with... asked me to play. Yeah, and Yay. they are beautiful. Let's take a listen. They are really beautiful. And... I love these because they are not only beautiful, you can learn more about Baroque music. Yeah. They're great arrangements. Yeah. And I like that they're arranged in a way to be musical, not to show off, look how high I can play. Oh, yeah. Because you know those people that will, they will do a transcription on the soprano saxophone for the sole purpose of circular breathing in the altissimo. Because that's the original key. I don't care. I don't care. Well, Bach wrote it well, in the key of E. Well, he didn't write it for the saxophone, Johnny. So <laughs> let's make it musical. So oh I, my gosh! And this, you know, the Presto, the the Bach one thousand six BWV. I always want to say BMW. Yeah. It's like you just can't help but have a huge smile on your face when you get done with that thing. It's just and it's, that's the arrangement that um, was originally for. Well, it was originally, let's see, it was originally violin. a violin solo, mm -hmm. and then Schumann actually made 
a piano accompaniment then, for it. Then Dave. And then Dave took it and made a two saxophone and piano arrangement of it using Schumann's piano yeah, so part. It's like playing tel- the game Telephone with music. Yeah, but yeah, it's so, so fun. I think he did. I know it's for two altos, but I think you can play it. I think he moved the piano part so you can also play it with... Uh, two B-flat saxophones, but I know he did that with the Vivaldi. I can't yeah, remember. I love that about what Dave does is, is I can't help but think like he has his the students in mind. Like yeah. this isn't something that you have to be in a doctoral program somewhere to, to tackle. It's, it's, right. it's, it's, it's beautiful music. It's a good arrangement and it's also in a key and it's idiomatic and it's not just to preserve. Yeah. Well, and I can tell you, they're hard to play and play well. Oh, because, sure. Because yeah. I mean, Bach and Vivaldi, like if you think about that music and if you've listened to that music, there's a certain perfection to how you want to hear it played, tuning and tone yeah. and, and clean, clean, clean. It teaches you a lot technique. about your playing. Yeah. And it's like the best way to improve your saxophone playing is really to play things like Bach and, and uh, Vivaldi because you can't accept a lousy attack. You can't accept sloppy technique mm-hmm. and out of tune and lousy, you know, uniformity of tone and things like that. It's really great. For it's one playing. of those pulling back the curtains in like, what kind of musician are you? Ha, exactly. Yeah, you yeah. might be able to do all kinds of your multi, crazy tricks. Your multiphonic but, screechimo mm-hmm. is really hip. Right. Larry, but can, but can you, actually, you carry the slow melody line in the yes. second movement of the Vivaldi? I feel the same yeah. way about uh, just playing truly bebop standards is kind of the same thing with jazz is, are you a jazz player? Yeah. Well, oh man, I can play. Yes, you can do the modal screechy yeah. mo and sequence modal things. Like anyone can do that. And I see a lot of like double reads and other classical players. Oh, I play jazz. Like, well, yeah, yeah. but can you blow over right. how high the moon or, you know, ornithology with right. good bop language? Yikes. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of the tell like what kind of it's, it's those, those kind of crucible tests and your ability yeah. to play and you and Dave play it. Beautifully. Well, it thank you so really much. It is a really lovely recording to listen to. I have to tell you, if I didn't know which part I was playing, I don't think I would be able to tell just You're the, second the, part. the sound. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. You're, you come in second on that recording, yeah, right? I do. Well, yeah, because I know I my do. co-host, yeah. but also, um, well, the, 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 it was the, so beautiful. The only with critique him. I have of the CD, and we're not critiquing, we're sharing yeah, here because yeah, our community is yeah. too small to like rip and record. Oh yeah, part. that's ridiculous. It's not. It's not that we're weak reviewers. It's just we don't want to talk about stuff we don't like. Right. Um. But the only only critique I had was in the recording. Your sound level is a little bit lower than Dave. And I feel that was, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say it's sexist, but I'm not going to not. I'm well, kidding. It is his CD. I'm kidding. I know, <laughs> but like, yeah, I just, I was like, Sue's a little bit lower in the, um, it is beautiful though. And it really, it was really it's a really listenable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's I also the, um, the Kirschlin, the epitaph de Jean Harlow. Oh yeah. Uh, saxophone and flute, which is beautiful. He's yes. got the Machinsky Sonata on yeah, there. Yeah, the Machinsky Sonata. How about that? Standard rep. Yep. Um, and then there's an interesting piece that I'd heard of, but I'm not sure I'd ever heard. The, um, Concerto after Middleson by David DeBoer Canfield. Canfield. It's tenor sax, right? It is. And yeah. it's basically the, um, Middleson violin concerto. But rearranged, but not not a transcription, not even close. But it's, no, 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 it's yeah. motives and melodies right. from that piece um, with but it's, tenor saxophone yeah. and wind ensemble. Yeah, and that was really pretty. And the um, I guess it's the um, the wind ensemble is the Alberta Winds in Calgary. Yeah. They sound beautiful. Yeah, a really bravo to them. Um, and there's also the Peterson Piano Trio or Trio Number One. No, that's not a piano trio. Um, yeah, a lot of good music a lot on of here. Really good music, and you know when you're teaching 
saxophone and you get a tenor sax student, mm-hmm. it's tricky finding repertoire, good repertoire for right. tenor saxophone students. And so it's nice that there's another piece. I, I think so. I remember yeah. back when I was an undergrad and I was a graduate teaching assistant and we'd have a tenor come in and my professor, oh, we have to teach him through this tenor repertoire. And it was like a Hartley piece, yeah. something called Trigon, I think. And the Di Pasquale, which is uh, really a great piece, but it's atonal. It? Oh, I actually like that right. piece, but it's really hard to pull it off because it just, it's atonal. It's really dissonant. And so that's not a good piece for students. They don't want to play yeah. that. You What's know. the one that goes? Da, 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 oh, geez, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we've got a lot. Of, yeah, and right. I just thought, like, in like, oh, that's tenor standard repertoire. I was like, this is. Yeah, I'll just say I don't care. I don't. I th- usually take I hated soprano stuff and have the tenor players yeah, just play the wrong octave. Yeah, so I think this is a nice addition to the tenor repertoire, and his yeah. his tenor playing is really really. Oh lovely yeah, on he's this. a terrific tenor. So player. I would definitely uh, get your your students listening to that. Yeah. Um, good CD. I'll put a link in the show notes. Dave's also a good guy. I think you can buy these transcriptions as well. Yes, I think the they're they're published by I think we say Jeanne. Looks like Jeannie. 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 He's in Alabama, so it's Jane music. Okay. <laughs> I so would like to say Jeanne. I'll put a link in the show notes and you can pronounce it however, <laughs> however it tickles you want. your fancy. That's right. <laughs> so check out that C D. Um Dave Campbell, good guy, great playing. Yeah. Um and the book club, Saxophone Book Club. Yes, the Saxophone Book Club. What Ooh. do we got this week? Well, we read the Devil's Horn. By Michael Siegel. Siegel, an yeah. amateur saxophonist and percussionist, according to his oh, Macmillan Press. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he did a little drumming in this too. Yeah. yeah. Really interesting book, very well written. And it, it's just like you were saying at the last show, you were saying, well, you know, so often you read a historical book and it's very dry and mm-hmm. boring and you can't get through a paragraph without having to reread. This is very readable. It's, it's good yeah. writing. It's really good writing and it's interesting. It's interesting, and you know he he focuses mostly on jazz and um, you know popular styles mm-hmm. of music, um, and he does tend to focus on things that sort of back up his premise, the Devil's Horn. <laughs> but you know that's that's kind of his, his shtick with the with the book. But then he got to this section where he was writing about um, classical music and the the leaders, historical leaders in the field. Right. I'm in classical music and boy, he just hits the nail on the head when he, when he talks about the different personalities and the, the competition and the, you know, this tendency to talk everybody else down and which God almighty, I wish we could get away from that. And it's not just in classical music and it's not just in saxophone. You hear that in other instruments. No, jazz too. too, We have, which is, it wasn't as prominent in jazz, but in classical, it was, I think it was as the saxophone was becoming standard in music education in the universities. Yeah. I think there's this rush to like, well, which way is it? There was the, the Rasher, uh, Sigurd Rasher files. Yeah. The German school, the French French school school, and the American school. And yeah. yeah, And it was like, well, no, we think our way is the best. And so like, you know, for the Rasher, which were very dogmatic, about it they, yeah. they want to make sure no this is yeah. true to Adolf Sax's intent or whatever and there was right. a lot of animosity right um and I remember some of the old saxophone journals oh I just I nearly fell asleep saying that out loud because <laughs> they're so boring and nerdy and academic <laughs> but the saxophone journals even have like you know rasher and mule students would write in yeah. and you know like oh no actually this work was premiered not by mule but by rasher right. and here's the program note to prove it and then like oh my <sighs> god in 100 years we'll all be dead this is it's just ooh, sad you know you think about when the pie is too small right. people squabble over every little crumb they do and it, it 
it does make me a little sad when I think about it. Really, couldn't our world be big enough that there's room for different points of view and different kinds of focuses, if that's a word? Right. You know, if you want to focus on that rep and somebody else wants to focus on different repertoire, that happens in other instruments. You'll get people who are, for example, Mozart scholars. Right. Or Chopin scholars or romantic style versus why can't we just like let it be like that? Everybody just focus I think on. Like you say, our pie yeah. was too small. Our so pie th- was too small. There's a lot, of, small, lot yeah. of history in there. And there were some academics that were persnickety. I think like they didn't give the correct due to one side or the other. Oh, there's lots of people left out. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or and just I, people that yeah. felt like Rasher didn't get his due or Mule didn't, you know what I mean? Sure. But, of course. Or, and, you know, maybe there's a dig at this teacher or that yeah, teacher or this book. It's and really like, great writing. And there's probably some truth on both sides of those things. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. And so it's a lot of interesting history. Yeah. It wouldn't could, be the only book the, you would ever You could read, poke but. at, well, it's not exactly accurate because. But this, that's what I like about it is unlike the documents that we had to read when we were getting our doctorates. Oh my gosh! <laughs> don't get a doctorate, kids. But when we were getting our doctorate, like you know, I had to read these you know these books, the history of the sex, Adolf Sex, yeah. and like they were so dry. And we view that as source material, which is why yeah. I was says, don't look at Wikipedia, go to the source material. Right. Well, the source material was written before the age of the internet. Right. Which means is the whole source material 100 correct? Right. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe. You know, and yeah. Wikipedia now is basically referencing these source materials. Yeah. But you know, it's so incredibly dry. But what I love about this is is Michael actually has a perspective. It was a really fun read. Yeah, and like what's what, good writing? It's a perspective. Yeah, it's not meant to be the accurate history. Yeah. Um. So while I was reading it, Wally, yeah. I sort of just jotted down like names, and <laughs> it was it was fun of really you know all these saxophonists, and he sort of I can't remember you know exactly how the lineage is, but he sort of traces lineages. Um, in the jazz world, these tenor saxophonists and these alto saxophonists, it was mm-hmm. really fun and very entertaining. And, you know, who who influenced who? And I know. it was really cool. And I made notes because I thought, oh, I want to go listen to more of that person's playing. Oh, wait, I know about that person's playing, but I, I should check that out. And so I scribbled all these notes and it was just really fun. And also he talked about a sonata by Gunther Schuller that was written for Ken Radnovsky. And I'm like, a sonata by Gunther Schuller. How come I don't know that? Oh, what? what yeah, that do was, you know that? That was the one that it's was like a, a crossover piece, right? Yeah, it was a commission consortium. Or third, third stream. Yeah. But do you know the piece? I believe the one the second one that was the commission consortium back in the nineties. Might have been, and Kenneth would have probably had headed that up. Yeah, Ken I think Radnowski. it was. It was. So I mean, there were some pieces I'd like. Whoa, I need to check that out. And I he don't also think many saxophonists. I think a lot of saxophonists were really disappointed when they got that piece. Yeah, well, they said that about the Harbison piece yeah. too. People were disappointed because you know it was kind of Latin jazz ish. And when I he was quoted like, well, the why Bill Cosby that a bad thing? song in the middle. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll shut up, I'm but gonna, I hate that piece. Okay, well, I'm going to check it out yeah. and see. And then, well, if you hate it, then it's probably bad. But no, then, no, then, I'm persnickety. But Carl Florio, of course, wrote a beautiful saxophone quartet. That's one of the first American saxophone quartets. It's beautiful. But then, so in this book, you know, this guy, Michael Siegel, points out that Florio wrote a quintet for saxophone quartet with piano. Mm-hmm. And it looks like he also wrote another piece for quartet. And I don't know those. So I was like, how cool is that? I learned some new stuff. And, and uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go check it out. He's yeah. got great quotes from, you know, Michael Brecker and... 
and uh, just tons of sex. I think you learn a lot about, yes, if you're studying for your doctoral comprehensive exams, maybe not the book to read. Uh, read it for fun but, on the yeah, side of all that learn, serious stuff that's so hard to read. If you're getting read. into the saxophone as a hobby, you want to learn more about the players, the history, oh, yeah. I think it's an excellent book, and it's really a good, an easy read. Not I easy, it, like, but I mean, it's a no. fun read. Well, it is kind of an easy read in that way that it's fun and, yeah. you know, you could, you know, read it for 15 minutes a, a day before you go to bed. And what I really enjoyed just listening to the history and he had, he has interviews with so many saxophonists and yeah. there's a really great one, a great scene with him in there with Lundex. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I've been to Lundex's apartment and had, you know, dinner that Lundex prepared in that same place where this guy's Aww. talking to him and having lunch. And yeah. he talks about, you know, Lundex popping up and and, talk, and going to get something off the shelf. And I could just, you know, think of Jean-Marie, you know, pulling just how he is, how yeah. active he, he is. He paints He's these so pictures. Vital. Yeah, because it's, it's good really writing, great writing. Not just academic yeah. writing. Yeah. Anyway, go read it. It's a good book. I agree. Uh, we haven't chosen one for the next book club. Oh, what are we going to read next? Well, why don't we, we take a hmm. pause as people catch yeah. up on The Devil's Horn, and if you have a recommendation, Oh, we'll us. take recommendations. Yeah, send an yeah. email, wally at gatecitysax.com, or go to thesaxmanacademy.com and fill out the form there to send an email, yeah. um, or hit us up on social media. And if you have a book recommendation, yeah. otherwise we'll pick something at random and you have no say Yeah, and it. you're stuck with it. But this way we could pretend <laughs> there's a democratic <laughs> element to this, the community of this podcast. Yeah. So, Sue. Wally. You know what time it is? What's it time for? The mailbag. Uh, what do we right. got now? We got okay. a lot. We got we got mails here. Oh geez, we got work to do. We got a smart question. Okay. <laughs> um, that you can help with, and then we have some other questions uh, related to comments on various social media forums okay. about nonsense that I posted that I want to tackle here. Okay. So Uh-oh. <laughs> this is from Lauren McMillan. Uh, first question from the mailbag. Uh, hi, thanks so much for your advice on site reading for my audition. Do you remember she wrote in yeah. a previous question? She was trying to get into her high school. Wind ensemble. Right. And she was behind. She had not played an instrument, so she was trying to play catch up. So we recommended sight reading, using a flute book, right. getting together with friends. Uh, I actually ended up getting in, and I could not Woo-hoo! be more thrilled with this. I have this another question. Awesome. So congratulations, Lauren. Yes, and way to go. Send your check or money order as thanks. I'm kidding. <laughs> Obviously, our advice is the whole reason, not your practice. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I so never she- take the credit for my student's success. Yeah. <laughs> She has another question. Is it possible to glissando on the saxophone? And if so, what is the best way to go about doing it? Oh, boy. I have been listening to Rhapsody in Blue lately, and I'm really interested in trying to play it. Even though I have a bit more experience now, I haven't worked much with overtones or anything like those lines. Not necessary. Uh, just wondering if you have any insight. Thanks again for your help and for your awesome podcast. Love what you do. Wow. So first of all, flattery will get you everywhere. Of course. The ones that weren't as flattering, I just I just deleted immediately. <laughs> Yeah, I don't care. Like you know, maybe they should send them to me. If they no, if they say like you guys should really think about delete. You know, start with flattery. I may read off. I'm kidding. It's not like we're making people pay for this, so the least they can do is be nice. Yeah, if there was. The internet disagrees with you, Sue. Oh, so, I know. I've read comments lately on just things. I'm like, you got to be kidding. So glissando. Yeah. What is your recommendation? Well, okay. My first cheeky response is always, you know, this thing is not a trombone. But anyway. Oh, gosh. Well, we do. Yeah, You know, glissandi. Okay. So they're pretty easy between most notes that are close to each other. Mm-hmm. They're pretty hard on on uh, to do a really smooth one over a long, a long interval. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't really think that I'm like a master at that kind of thing. Um, but you know, the, 
So if you do pitch bends, if you start with pitch bends, that's sort of a good way to train. And it's like when we do jazz, right? We're teaching somebody to do some some scoops or right. things like that. That's a good start. Um, with glissandi, you can add into that kind of uh, combination of lip pressure and sort of tongue position. It's an right. air direction. It's hard to really describe it um, over the over a microphone. But you know, if you add a little slow motion with the fingers you can yeah. kind of get a glissy thing that uh rhapsody in blue that's gliss, fingers that is and voicing quite a thing and of yeah. course it's different on the saxophone than on the clarinet right the clarinet with their little cylindrical-ish bore yeah yeah it's a little bit well everything's easier for clarinets really i don't know about that wally yeah. but but uh, the gliss just, maybe they're living, that gliss. They're, over, they're over there living their best life and yeah. here we are with our <laughs> Chunk of curvy metal. Well, and we no. have to mess around with vibrato, and well, sometimes they do now too, yeah. but they don't have to do that. But somebody told me recently that that um, the whoever the clarinetist was who premiered the Rhapsody in Blue that they did that gliss, and it wasn't originally from Gershwin. Oh, and that they just did they that just really and messed up. They they well, no, they did it on purpose, and then it was like oh, so then everybody had to do it after that. Oh. And then it got added. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's well, what I heard. You heard it here. Maybe not first, but you heard it here. So <laughs> Okay, what do you say, for, Wally? So for the glissando, it's going to be a mixture of voicing and fingers. Now, here's what's confusing. I had a teacher that said, oh, Wally, man, you got to, you know, I heard this guy, and he can bend upward like a nearly an octave. I said, no, no, no he can't. Uh, you don't, so glissando that, here's, yeah. well, that was a good slide whistle. That was that actually was pretty good. That was my mouth, folks. Uh, yeah. Not saying I have a part-time job here ready to go. But, <laughs> What we need to think about, Lauren, is that um, when you're glissandoing up, think about it not as your bass note going up, but your goal note, but you're starting lower. So if I'm going to glissando, I'm trying to think there's this great um, Johnny Hodges played with Ellington, Duke Ellington, lead alto player Duke Ellington, and he has some of the most beautiful glissando, sweepy, bendy things, and he does it so beautifully. Um, and so when people try to mimic that, they would try to start on the lower note and bend up. You really can't do that very much at all. So what you're actually doing is starting on your goal note, maybe fingering a fifth or lower and bending upwards. You're slowly, like, like Sue said, lifting your fingers, kind of like a false fingering while you're voicing down that top note. So it's actually, imagine you starting on the goal note, you're just adding some extra fingers and voicing lower and then going up to your goal note. Yeah. So think of about starting at the goal but starting lower rather than starting at the bottom and trying to bend upward because that's right. not really what you're doing. Right. Um, the F trick is a good way to start with that where you yeah. finger front F and then work on... Yeah. Once again, that's probably not the correct pitch. But, <laughs> but, but that's, that's the That's what idea. you're doing. You can yeah, do Google totally. F trick on saxophone. You'll see plenty of videos about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, glissando, it's a fun trick, Lauren, because you're a new player, we're going to be mom and dad right now. Yeah. Don't spend too much time yep. working on the bells and whistles. Don't mess up your amateur. Make sure you're yeah. doing a proper warm up before and after probably. Exactly. Yeah. Think of it like lucky charms. Let my kids have it once a month on the weekend. Yeah. I don't let them have it too often. Yeah. You know, other than we're doing very healthy pop tarts on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Cause they're so, quick and yeah. easy. You don't have time. Yeah. For yeah, yeah. Else. <laughs> so it's a mixture of fingers and embouchure and yeah. air and voicing. Yeah. Uh, it's a fun little, um, it's a fun technique. Don't yeah. get hung up on it because you got yeah. a lot of awesome stuff to learn. Yeah, don't more. mess up your But congratulations show. on winning that Yay. audition. I'm so happy. Wow. So then here we have some more questions uh, from Jazz Frog. Um, and this was a question relating to, remember when we did the, we talked about the bell rings from Peak Performance Oh, yeah, Woodlands? right. I did a video demonstrating that, which was very serious. Um, <laughs> and he wrote, what is the app you're using when I was tuning those? 
Oh. Um, because I have a video of me showing how they work with the app and showing their different intonation. Wow. Um, because I need a job, apparently, because I have too much time on my hands to do this sort of <laughs> stuff. But I don't want a job. Um, the app is called ClearTune. Okay. I don't. I only use it when I'm showing in silly, ridiculous instructional videos. I don't use it in my studio, number one, because I don't use a visual tuner. Right. I like using drones or reference pitches, Got which it. it will do. But number two, I don't want my phone anywhere the heck near me when I'm practicing. Right. Yep. So it it's is called clear tune. Distracting. But yep. jazz frog, put your phone away when you're practicing. Yeah. Use a reference pitch. Sit down to a piano or a yeah. keyboard. I think is much more. And we've talked about that in the you last. Know what? Yeah, that's a great idea. I'm working yeah. with a student who plays in tune but it doesn't sound in tune like oh, sure yeah and so we're gonna just ditch the tuner and just get some drones going even use, if she just yeah. uses me as a drone you know just my my students thing. call me a drone all the time <laughs> yeah i'm a broken record yeah <laughs> what did i say to do here let me play yeah. that again okay go ahead so uh, it's called clear tune <laughs> of the apps i like clear tune because it has a good visual representation and it plays drones yeah. So if you can, oh, that's cool. Then when you're using it, don't automatically let your phone check your email and Facebook. And yeah, stuff. right. A yacht boat asks, and this was in reference to I did a video called the best sax mouthpiece under fifty dollars oh. because you know I teach career development. Yeah, and so part of that is basically teaching people to grow an audience and using social media in various platforms to the best. So yeah. I ended up reading a lot about okay because YouTube is this giant elephant in the room of yeah. everything on the internet. Yeah. And it is the second biggest search engine. So I figured if I'm going to teach a class like this, I need to know something about it to teach my students. Right. So this summer, I really delved in, read about best practices. And one of the things I read was um, how to use metadata, how to use tagging, how to use not clickbait, but attractive titling, thumbnails, all this. So I did everything oh, to a yeah. T as an example to see, does this work? And it worked. So then wow. for a while, I don't know if it's just a way you could Google best sax mouthpiece, and this video made the top search results on Google. Get out. And I used this thing called keyword data or keywords everywhere, a Google Chrome plugin that lets you know what people are searching for related to search terms. So as an exercise, I didn't want to make a video about the best sax mouthpiece under $50. Right. That's not what flows my boat. But Which I wanted is to an see, idea of something to I want do. to see when I teach my students on how to wow. use, you know, how to not game the algorithm, but maybe, you know, how to do this well. I said, could I do something that would get a lot of views? And it did. Wow. So the answer to that question was the best sax mouthpiece under $50 was the Brillhart Ebelin, five star specifically. Uh, that video started to get a lot of traction, a lot of people seeing it. Neato skeeto. Um, yeah. Um, but unfortunately, it also meant that it sold out everywhere. <laughs> quickly. Whoops. And so the stock well, that's that, great. So it wasn't, well, yeah, I have a couple sitting that I will not put on eBay because it feels unethical at this point. Right, yeah. Um, but so you can't. So Yacht Boat, I am sorry. Um, it seems to have sold out since I put that up and they're no longer manufactured. But they used to have, when I made the video, I was not trying to be a, a jerk. Yeah. They had it at Woodwind Brasswind, Kessler and Sons. They had it a lot of places yeah. for $47. You can't anymore. Sorry about that because of my silly exercise to see could I understand yeah. YouTube algorithms. Uh, short answer. God, that is hilarious. Say, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a really icky culture. I did not. Ugh. So, yeah. Yeah. No more silly YouTube videos for me for a while. Um, Mr. Cicernos uh, wants to know, uh, hi, Wally. I was wondering if you have a specific method you use to practice bebop articulation and what you were thinking when you decide to use one articulation pattern instead of another. So oh. what, what do you think? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. Well, that's this week's episode, everyone. And yeah. <laughs> Oh, we need a theme song at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. Song at the end. Yeah. So... <laughs> you're going you're gonna to absolutely hate me, uh -oh. um, Mr. Cisneros. Um... There's no short answer. Now, you can learn to practice tonguing in a quasi-bop yeah. articulation right. pattern. It's lower tempos. It's just tongue 
in the sort of the opposite. Do da hoo da hoo da hoo da hoo da hoo da hoo da. Boring knee so, house exercises yes. that actually work really well. <laughs> so in the beginning, young students learning jazz, the worst thing you could do is what people doing correctly in the jazz. Well, here's what swing is. Yeah, so I don't know why I like a trombone. You're landing really hard yeah. on one and, and two. And then you're and also three, lilting the four. rhythm. If you right. listen to good bebop players, they're not lilting the rhythm. Right. The, the, the eighth notes are straight. Pretty straight. What makes it yeah. swing is the articulation. And then it's tonguing the offbeat. Do da hoo 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 da And then at faster tempos, it's sometimes if you're going to just practice a pattern, which is not good enough to just do that you would tongue one slow three i can't even do it on yeah my yeah i know what you mean yeah um, but then the the long answer and the correct answer is um transcription if you're oh, learning a language yeah. you can't say well where should i add inflection to a, to a because yeah. what you're doing is adding inflection to vocabulary yeah. and you yeah. can't tell someone so when you're asking a question add a slight uptick to the third syllable of the second to last word, right. letting people know that you're in the interrogative voice. Right. It will. You would sound like a robot. You sound right. like Mark Zuckerberg right. in his uh, congressional testimony. You'll look yeah. just <laughs> bizarre. <laughs> There's no short answer other than learning the language via um, transcription. It's listening like learning to a foreign language. You have to listen to native speakers and uh-huh. just copy. That's how babies learn. Yeah. Exactly. That's how they yeah. learn a so language. Yeah. I cannot consciously think of how I'm going to do it. It just has to be. Yeah. Learning the language. So is there a good, easy, I don't want to put you on the spot, but is Please there do. a good, easy... I'll make up an answer. Like a bebop tune or solo that would be a good good one to start with? Maybe just the, the head of a tune that would be a good suggestion so it's not so fast so they yes. can get it. Uh, to start to learn and learning Charlie Parker tunes, because it all started with Parker and Gillespie, yeah. the bop yeah. language. And there were great jazz players before that. Of course, But yeah. everything since Parker and Gillespie has been informed by this Parker bop articulation yeah i think many modern players have thrown too much of it out and now they've gone into academic la la land yeah but um learning uh parker or gillespie heads like just you said just transcribing the heads yeah because um, the solos are tough and maybe the trumpet ones are easier for saxophone than the saxophone ones I, could you do that with the articulation they're okay, gonna be very or? well you know those heads i mean they're largely played in unison so it's yeah. not gonna matter um don't start with um donna lee that one's tough oh but no <laughs> start with um i think if you want to learn good bop articulation and inflection, and do not read it out of the Omni book. No, no, learn no, it no. By learn ear. it by ear. Um, yeah. I think Yardbird Suite. Oh, yeah, that big one was not too many notes. Yeah, that's a good starting place. Um, Orn Anthology is a little faster, but any yeah. of these Parker heads, and if you like it, and the other thing I have is if you don't love it, there's no point in transcribing it. Yeah. If, you, if you're not in love with the music, then it's just going to be a huge headache and a lot of not fun time. Right, and so, pick a couple tunes you like, like because there are so many. Right. <laughs> and then learn it off the record and make sure you can't tell the difference between you and them. Um, and they're available everywhere. You can get them on YouTube yeah. for free, Spotify, mm-hmm. iTunes. Yeah. Buy it. It would be nice if you'd buy yeah. it, but and if like, you don't want to buy it. I think it, that learning the heads by ear. Yeah. Um, and when I say transcribe, I mean learning by ear, not writing down, literally, right. which would transcribe literally means that. But right. Yeah. And I think that's a great recommendation. So yeah. to answer your question, I'm really sorry. There's no. There's uh, very often not a shortcut, yeah. right? There's no way I could, when I'm when I'm improvising uh, bop language, there's no way I could consciously think what my pattern is. Right. Um, I'm speaking, just like I'm not thinking about what voice I'm, well, I'm constantly, I'm using plural subjunctive. Right, like, no. no. you can't think you, about that. You no. just have to, just like Sue said, it's yeah. a foreign language. You're playing by ear. Yeah, yeah. And, and you can learn, you can get a translation app, you could learn sentences and phrases. It's not the same. Yeah. So if you're thinking about the pattern you're using, it's already, you're already kind of not, yeah. not in a good place. Right. So transcription. 
Yeah. So copy. He's throwing something in a speaker right now. That's not what I asked. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's what he asked. Yeah. All right. So wow. <laughs> fall is here. Fall is I'm here. I'm excited. A lot yeah. of good stuff. So if you and um there's a couple more questions I'll get to you, and then we can hit the next week. I think they just came in that I haven't had a chance to print off. Uh, but if you have a question for the podcast, reach out. You can yeah. email me Wally at GateCitySacks.com or hit us up on social media. And in the meantime, Sue, happy practicing. You too, Wally. Bye, everyone. Have a great day.